Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And if you thought one great voice, no, I'm just kidding. Now I'm not, my voice is not as great as the guest that I have. And she's going to help you understand how to give great voice, which is probably something I should have learned a long time ago, well before starting a podcast. <laughs> but there's time to make this up. And she is, hey, I have, I have royalty in the Intentional Encourager podcast because I have an Emmy Award winning voiceover artist, a master storyteller. She is the founder of Give Great Voice, and you can find her on LinkedIn at Tasia, T-A-S-I-A, Valenza, V-A-L-E-N-Z-A. But you can find her right here, right now, on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tasia, how are you today? Oh, I'm delighted to be with you. And may I say, Brian, you give great voice. You move, touch, and impact using your voice. So you you don't need any extra help from me, but I'm delighted to share any tips that I can to, to help your audience. But you're already, you're there. Well, my wife has probably wanted to move out several times from, from listening to me talk. My son <laughs> touches his ears and holds them over, holds his hands over them. And I impact the cat in my in my house because he, they run to the other room when I start speaking. Oh, you're God. exactly right. I move, touch, and impact <laughs> people. So you're you're 100 right, Tasia. That's hysterical. Well, I ha I will say that my family is always so glad when I do these podcasts or I'm I'm interviewing because they can't stand to hear me talk about it anymore. So I'm in the same category. I, that yeah, I'm there you know, with you. I've said it probably one too many times. My 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 kids will be like. Ah, that's not really giving great voice, is it, Mom? Can you can you can you not talk to me in that? So I, they keep me accountable. So yes, I'm with you. That uh, it's good to have platforms to share our passions because I I think our families, especially in this time when we're a little too close, it's just too much information. So I'm I'm right there with you. My 20 year old son decided he was going to start a rival podcast called The Unintentional Discourager. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my. That is so awesome. I love the, the, what is it? What is it? The counter, counterintuitive or it's like. Yeah. Um, yeah. He said, yeah, he said, I'm going to start a podcast <laughs> called the unintentional discourager. So, you that know. That sounds so much like my son. It's like contrarian, whatever I, right now, if I say blue, it's got to be yellow with polka dots. So it's, <laughs> it's we're yeah. right along the, the same lines. They really have to individuate, right? Anything we do, it's got to be the opposite. Well, here's the thing that I've told new parents all the time. I've, I've told new parents, I said, let me give you one piece of advice about kids. Oh, what's that? What's that? You spend the first two years of their life teaching them to walk and talk. Then the next 16, telling them to sit down and shut up. <laughs> How's that working for you? <laughs> uh, not well, apparently. My son is, is, is the unintentional discourager. So, you know, it's... <laughs> I, I guess it's not working real well. Yeah, Tasia, let's start. Well, let's let's start here and, and let's talk about that. That that's a great place to start. Because a lot of folks feel like in this time of pandemic mm. that their voice has been silenced because the outlets are 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 not there. You know, we would have the outlet of going to a, a sporting event. Mm. or the outlet of, and a sporting event's a great place to let your voice go because, again, you're among thousands of people and you can yell and scream and everything, which is not good for your voice. Don't do that. That's not no, good No, but, but, but being amongst a tribe and being together and sharing right. our voices, I totally So, it. So my question is, Tasia, what are some other outlets that people can, can use to really let their voice out? and share their unique voice with those around them? That's a great question. Well, I, I, I totally feel that, that the, the dearth that, you know, to, to give great voice is, the, is a gift when we give it. It's a gift. When we do it well, it's a gift from the giver. 
to the to the receiver and all those who witness it. You know, when we're communicating and we know that we've touched another person and they're moving us back and then anybody who sees it, we all experience that beauty, that that connection, that human need that we need to be with one another. Um, and right now, so much of that, we have to overcome that physical distance even more so. And we have been silenced in that way, that community, when we come together in our, in our, in our groups, in our churches, in our synagogues, in our sporting events, in our, in our picnics, all the things that engage us, uh, we're having very difficult times doing. And so I will say that, you know, technology can be our friend in that we connected on LinkedIn and I have connected with so many beautiful souls by being courageous and sharing our voices on these platforms. And maybe, you know, again, I, I've done a 21 day gratitude challenge, which somebody shared with me on LinkedIn. And it was, uh, it was in, inspired by veterans for 21 days to, to focus on gratitude. So I have been focusing on giving great voice to gratitude and, and somebody sent me a poem and I read her poem and shared it. So I wanna say that, you know, we can use our voices creatively and and then share them maybe not with the individuals in our you know immediate community but in this world community we can share our voices and our passions and get engagement where it's not just digital engagement because look at us we're having an incredible conversation right now hoping to impact others and we're doing it through this uh, this online community which then connects us to individuals so i would just like to encourage everyone it doesn't have to be the greatest you know or you don't have to be the greatest orator you just have to have your creativity have your passion and to share it there is somebody out there who wants to hear what you have to say to hear your message who will be moved touched and impacted by it and it doesn't hurt to have a really good microphone that makes you sound <laughs> in my case makes you sound that it makes you sound better yeah you, you know you, you really you need that vocal enhancement to really make you sound better. In my, not in your case, Tasia, in my case, I need that extra, that no, extra. we all do. Oh. This is my microphone. But by the way, you know what? I, 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 I also went on Amazon and got like a $7 clip microphone. Yeah. So you can do it again, very reasonably. You can set up Zoom. You don't yeah. have to do fancy things. You can, you can record on your iPhone. There is so much freedom of creativity now. Keep some hot tea next to you for, to, to, you know, keep your voice nice that's and right. lubricated, you, you know. We can all give great voice. We just have to be willing to be a little courageous. And that's where I, I love teaching the art of it with just little simple tips and tricks, utilizing the skills of a voiceover actor in your own life so you can play your professional and personal yeah. roles more successfully. So I'm always sharing little tips how people can do that and encouraging them to share their voices in whatever means inspires them to do so. You know, Tasia, it's, it's funny because I, I talked right before we started recording, I was telling you for years I have done live radio, but my voice is not what it started out to be. Hmm. through through practice, through working on it, through making sure that I wanted it to have a certain sound mm -hmm. and then evolving into public address announcing, doing that for my son's high school with basketball and those times where you have to give it, as we would say, a little bit more extra oomph. You know, kind of, yeah, a little bit more punch, know, right? Yeah, That's... a little more punch. A little more punch. You go, the foul is on number three. You know, the, the, the right. FMD. The FM DJ, you know, the, the old Rio Rock 105 FM yes. DJ voice like that. But but you work on those things because when you need it to be there, you want it to be there. It's like a singer. When when And I was telling somebody the other day, for great singers, they have a money note. And that's the note that, that people come to hear them hit or they, you know, they, they know that, that that singer can hit that. And so at that point in the concert, that singer is reaching for that money note that that is just going to draw the crowd in even more when when you talk about giving great voice how important is practice in the art of giving great voice 
That's a great question. And it, it really, you know, the, the first thing, because you, you basically described what it is, and I just lay out the foundation that to give great voice means to really understand the four questions that we need to ask when we are trying to give great voice, when we are trying to move. Who am I in this particular scene of my life? Who am I speaking to? What's the relationship? Am I a DJ? Am I a father? Am I a podcaster? What, what do I want? What's the success of this scene? Do I want to motivate? Do I want to inspire? Do I want to punch it up? Do I want to calm and soothe? And how does my voice and tone support that intention? So you basically talked about how you had to take your voice and depending on the role you were playing, new roles, you expanded your repertoire. And maybe when you started, you weren't quite as good, but you started mimicking, listening to others, and then practicing, practicing, and you became more confident. And, what, and, and soon enough, you were rocking your role. That's what I call it, rocking our roles. When we understand our roles and what our intention is, then we can start doing it. In other words, I didn't, you know, as Poison Ivy, who's, you know, she's, she's. Uh, you lost me there for a minute. I was drifting off into to like La La Land. That is so. That, <laughs> and please, please keep both hands on the wheel if you're listening to this. Do not drive off the road because that is that is so good. I'm sitting there going, oh my word, I can I could use a nap right about now. That was so good, but that's it, a transition know, because that's who yeah. she is. She, She's a seductress, right? So even though she's a villainess, she doesn't. She's not a villain by her 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 might. You know, she doesn't say, you know, Batman, come over here. It's more Batman, come over here, because her venom lies in her lips. So again, we need to understand why. What are we doing as that role? And then, of course, we want to practice it. And the beautiful thing is when you're uh, you're practicing, you can borrow from your favorite superheroes, your favorite animated, your favorite vocal superheroes, the ones you admire. Uh, mm -hmm. You know the 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 uh, Sigourney Weavers and the James Earl Jones, and you know all the the wonderful those voices that we love, and we can mimic until we make it our own. We can kind of, you know, you listen to the DJs properly, right? You've rocked some of them and then you made it into your own. So yes, but the first thing is to understand what's my role? What's my intention? How do I serve this role to be its best? And then start practicing it and then eventually you will rock it. Well, and Tasia, you've hit on something there that I think is so incredibly important is it's finding the authenticity in your voice. Because you mentioned James Earl Jones, he has a robust baritone voice, like Luke, I am your father. You know, that <laughs> exactly. Boat, that robust, chesty. It's gravitas. We call it gravitas. Right. Or Morgan it has Freeman. That rich yes. sound. Morgan yeah. Freeman, right? The Oprah Winfrey's. They have a natural gift at that, and not not everybody does. But we can still take the essence, right? The energy that yeah. we Well, and it it's. And it's about them having their their own authentic sound that they've developed over the years and the authenticity from it. So when you were, and, and I'll use this as a transition point to get into your story, when you were, were really trying to develop that great voice inside of you, how important, and, and let, me, let me phrase it this way. How much authenticity did you use and how much imitation? Because I think you hit on a really good point. It's okay at times to imitate that person that, that you want to sound like. Just don't sound like them. Pull parts. Right. From, uh, Pull from them. The, so I, I, I say you're not imitating trying to talk, but what is it the essence of what they are giving? In other words. Yeah, go there for a minute. Yeah, go there for a minute. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Once we understand our roles, uh, as a you know, again, um, I, I talk about the, the 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 acting roles I've played, and then I transition in my real life. I play many roles. We all play roles. I'm a mother, and I'm a wife, and I'm a sister, and I'm a voiceover teacher, and I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach, and I'm a daughter. And in each of those roles, I have qualities that I would like to uh, aspirationally attempt to do. As a mother, I would like to be loving and kind and supportive. And as a wife, I want to be playful and seductive and caring. Um, as, a, as, as a teacher, I want to be motivating and inspiring and enthusiastic. These are all aspirational. 
Now, we're real life humans, we mess up, you know? I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm very reactionary. I, I ask my kids, pick up your socks, you know? What about if I just thought, ooh, consciously, what's my relationship? Oh, I said, loving, kind kids, can you pick up your socks, you know? That doesn't happen very often, but I certainly, yeah. I certainly would like it. But but in our in our professional roles, when we're thinking about those aspirational qualities, what are the aspirational qualities? And if we know what motivation sounds like and enthusiasm, great. But if you want to borrow first, who is it that motivates you? Who excites you? Is it Tony Robbins? You know, who is that energy? And then think about it's not necessarily the voice quality, but the energy the essence is it oprah who's calming and has that nice weight and takes breaths or you know again is it back to that tony robbins enthusiastic want to motivate you so you you really want to think about is it the pitch is it the pace is it the weight is it the airiness all those qualities are something that you can practice by understanding what you're trying to do with that intention it's not so much the words we say the words have impact, but the intention, meaning I always like to use, I love you. I love you can mean exactly that sincere. I just, I love you. Yeah. And it can mean, I need money. And it can yeah. mean, can you take out the garbage? It's, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's what we, it's what, you know, it's always like, we're always trying to affect people, but when we have more awareness, we can, you know, we can sound more trustworthy. To be warm and trustworthy, as in, in sales, in any role that we want to engage or, and cross this divide of this technological Zoom, you know, where we're in these boxes, yeah. a smile and warmth and an open body and just hello with a, with a warmth, that is an instant way to connect. So simple what do I want to do on this Zoom call? How do I want to connect with Brian? Yeah. I want to be warm and trustworthy. How does that sound? Well, I'm going to smile and I'm going to be a little bit enthusiastic. Hello, Brian. It's a pleasure to connect with you. That yeah, because I'm not going to sound, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not, listen, I don't sound the, I don't sound this way when I'm talking to my wife, I'm, I'm not walking in going, Hey honey, welcome into the intentional encourager podcast. I'm your <laughs> husband, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining me today. I, I don't sound like that. I try to, when I'm talking to my wife, you know, m my voice, there's a natural cut to, to the voice when, when you're doing your speaking. I don't always practice that around my, my family. Because sometimes my wife goes, yeah, can you turn down talk show host Brian? And can you, <laughs> you know, it, but, true, but, but it, it is true because a lot of times when we're around the people that we love the most, we let our guards down because we don't have to, I don't have to project no, to my wife. We don't have wife. to play a role. We are right. just being the humans. However, however, when we're stressed, when we're having a bad day, what we can do is be a little bit more conscious, take a breath, and maybe not snap or sound frustrated or sound impatient, because that's what letting our guard down does too. Sometimes we take for granted the people we love, and we are in very challenging times. So what we can do is not be the, you know, the projected, but maybe being the more, again, loving kind, compassionate, patient husband yeah. that we forget to do in our daily lives because we're stressed and we're overwhelmed and we're frustrated or we're feeling, you know, pressure. And we yeah. just, we just are in reactive mode. So that's what I like to do is that to think that we can, we can bring our best selves to the people we love because ultimately those people are the ones that we care about the most, but we sometimes forget to give great voice to because we just think they love us anyway. But does that further our relationship? You know, a little yeah. at a time can really start dinging those relationships where, at, you know, at a point where, you know, where my husband will say, I don't want to even talk to you. You're just snapping too much today. And I'm like, boy, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, because there are times that, there are times that, that I have, when, when you, and, and you know this, you, you, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this. There are times that you can turn it on and turn it off. Like I know if I'm speaking to somebody and I really want to 
bring out my quote unquote radio voice or my podcasting voice. I know what to do to 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 put the inflection where I need to be, or put the the the, the, the tones in different places. Right, the tone and the energy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I know how to turn that on and turn that off if I need to. Right. But to be our authentic self is is just talking to people and just communicating with people in that moment there together. The, the last thing I want to ask you, and then we'll, I want to tell your story. When, when someone is, is saying, how do I communicate more effectively so that I'm heard deeper or to resonate deeper? Because I think a lot of people go, I think I can I can can be articulating. I think I can project. I don't feel like I'm resonating. And there's a difference between articulation and resonation. How can someone get deeper resonation with giving great voice as they're communicating with people? Mm, that's a good question because when we resonate, I like to think of it that we not just touch the head, but we touch the heart. And that usually means that for one thing, we have to give great listening. Yeah. Because we really, we really have to hear what, what does this person need? What is their tone saying? When they're saying, you know, when you say, how are you? And they say, I'm fine. That's when you say, oh, wow. The words say I'm fine, but not, not the, the tone. So when we first listen, then we can respond and make a person feel valued. Then we can resonate with them because we can really hear where they're coming from and respond in kind. So a lot of it has to just start with listening and then think, what is, how can I value this person? How can I make them feel good and speak to them in the way they need? Do they need a little bit calming voice? Do they need to be motivated? Do they need to be inspired? And that is the beginning to me of resonating. It's really understanding what, how my role will support what this individual or this group needs at this moment. Oh yeah, and Tasia, that's the thing is, when I hear you speak, that's my dog trying to give great bark. Hold on. Yes, yeah, your 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 dog is <laughs> your dog is. I, I want to come. Yeah. In. Yeah, your dog is, is right. Your dog was right on cue there. That was, she was right on that. She was like, she gave a little wolf at first, and I ignored it. So she's like, Woof! so I was like, yeah. gotcha, girl. You want yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Right, very direct. See, she, I she teach resonated. everybody: humans, yeah, dogs. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. Go on. No, no, no. What what you were saying there is it is so good because resonating a voice that resonates when you hear someone talk and they have that calm soothing nature with like you were talking about with Oprah and there was weight to it or things like that a lot of times we are as auditory beings a lot of times that voice will resonate from head to feet mm -hmm. we can feel it all the way through our bodies because that person has captured their voice in such a way that they know how it resonates and when it's delivered, you feel like there were a few times when you spoke, I felt it vibrationally mm. moving through me. And so I, I love that concept of resonance. And I'm glad you I'm glad you said what you said there, because to me, resonance is really powerful, but we don't talk about the power of resonance. Yes, and I, and I love that because we do have a voice frequency. And I mean, I talked about it on an emotional level. There is a physical aspect that we can do by when we really tap into our breath, our breath supports our voices. We can't speak if we can't breathe. So some of that resonance can really come forth when we breathe diaphragmatically, meaning that we have that beautiful deep belly breath. So often we're breathing in our shallow lungs and up here in our throats, that doesn't supply resonance. So I can give you an example. I mean, if you, if you meditate, you know diaphragmatic breathing, if you're a speaker, if you're a singer, but I'm gonna give you an example just for people that don't know. So most of us, when we breathe, we breathe shallowly. When we come as babies, we know how to breathe. We breathe with our bellies expanding when we breathe in. 
And when we breathe out, our bellies actually deflate like a balloon. So our diaphragm's up here. It's what supports our breath control. And this whole area is where we get that resonance, that powerful breath. When we're up here, we're much more in our fight or flight, shallow breathing. So we don't yeah. get as much resonance. So just practicing this, which um, gives us our power, breathing in, our belly expands like a balloon and breathing out, our belly deflates. That gives us resonance, power, and it also, if you double the breath out, if you breathe in for six, through your nose, oh wait, breathe in for three, and breathe out like through a straw for six. It's, uh, it's uh, someone said it's a wonderful metaphor, breathe, uh, smell the flower, and blow out the candle. Three deep diaphragmatic breaths can help our anxiety in those three breaths bring us down from our sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight, to the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that nice rest and digest. So with all the anxiety we're feeling as communally as humans now with such uncertainty, we're going through a lot of daily anxiety. So I'd love to offer that just when you feel that, that fear, that anxiety, taking a moment to have three deep belly breaths can instantly ground you back to being in the present moment. Yeah. And then from there, you both have the emotional energy of grounding yourself and more resonance because you have more air in your in your speaking so it's kind of a nice double whammy well no i i love that and, and i've got to stay here for just a minute i was going to go in another direction but i've got to stay here because as you were doing that exercise it reminded me of something so um i i i still do i sang in a southern gospel quartet and in a quartet to explain that that concept so I sang the first tenor. So my part was high. I was the highest male part. Oh, cool. And then the, you would have a, a lead, a baritone, and a bass. Uh -huh. There were songs that we sang certain nights. I didn't really have a lot of what I would call really good highs. So my voice was naturally lower, and I would have to do things to lift my voice Mm -hmm. to get it up there to, to hit the note that I needed to hit. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of times that I sang head tones. So mm -hmm. for a man, a head tone is not natural. Mm -hmm. It's like a man singing falsetto. It's right. not natural. Unless you're Frankie Valley, then you can do it quite, <laughs> or or one of the Gibb brothers from from right. the seventies. Right, they do. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't believe how high they. Yeah, that is a very that falsetto is not a is it, it's, it's a, a head tone. Skill. Yeah, it's a head tone. For men, we need to sing here in the chest because you know then it, it's more. And so there were songs that we sang. I was fine. I was comfortable because I was singing chest tones instead of head tones. Now as a baritone, I've dropped down. All of my tones are chest tones because that's where the part lives. And that's where. And so the difference is for women that sing lower or try to sing in a lower register, it's why when you hear a woman try to replicate a man's voice and it kind of sounds like, the, you know, it's a woman trying to sound like a man. Right. You, you hear them drop their head and it's like, and for a man, that tries to imitate a, a female voice, they have to lift their head. They're trying to sound like right, this. Right, right. But you know, it's, you, you make a point. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go I was ahead, gonna say, you it. make a point that singing is a wonderful way to again, help our speaking voices. Cause we're, we're, what I like to say is the voice is an instrument and we tune our voices with tone. Yeah. So the more that we sing and again, express our creativity, the more that we empower our voices. Cause, cause, Speaking has melody, right? I mean, when we speak very flat, I'm so excited to be with you and it's really great to share with you. That doesn't excite. So you wanna walk up the steps. You wanna bring melody, pitch, pace to your, to your speaking. Mm -hmm. So 
a wonderful vehicle for that is to sing. And it doesn't have to be great singing. It just could be karaoke singing. But it can, again, give us that confidence to express our voices, use melody, use pacing, use pitch, play with it, and then bring that into our speaking roles. Well, it's not natural for a man to lift their voice into those head tones. That's not natural for men. It's natural for women. It's not natural for women to sing in chest tones. It's more natural for them to sing in head tones because their voices are naturally high. And so the, where I was going with that, Tasia, and I love what you said there, is it, it, when we give great voice, we really should be giving great voice where it lives most naturally, correct? Comfortably, sure, absolutely. And again, you know, maybe not everyone knows where their voices live if they're just starting out, but you can kind of play with it. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Where do you feel the most comfortable when you're speaking? Now, you know, as I've gotten older, when I first started doing voiceover, I thought I sounded like I do now, 25 years ago. And I would listen to myself and I was like, oh my God, I sound so, I thought I sounded so, you know, again, Sigourney Weaver and Gravitas. And I didn't, I was much, much lighter. Um, and, 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 and that was good for where I was at the time. But you can, mm -hmm. you, you know, now I have that nice weight in my voice, but, you know, I don't audition for someone in their 20s anymore, even though I could probably get my voice there because my life experience is, it, it informs too much of my, my voice. And so therefore I can't match the, the life experience of someone in their 20s now. So I, my, my, it wouldn't matter if I was faking it with the, with the lightness, it, it just, you can just tell there's a weight to it. So having fun and finding you know where your voice is and bringing a little bit of, of of the technical at the same time as your life experience can help you find your authentic place but you really want to you really want to at least explore and have fun with it and then it's more about feeling like you deserve to be heard and having the confidence to speak your truth and not feel like diminished and, and less than and and that you just you know you don't like your voice and nobody should be it's really a lot of times about the confidence that inner confidence and that comes a lot from the self-speak do we feel like we deserve to be heard and that's that's so much of it right there well and and i love what you said there and i want to go to to your life experience that's a great place for us to segue and go to your life experience and take me back as far back as you want to go with with telling your story Take us from point A to, to, to where we are now. How did you start your journey? Things like that. Because everybody has a story to tell. I've got a feeling you got a good one to tell. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's you know, everyone has, it's true. Everyone has a story. And, and, and hopefully we can learn from each other's stories. Um, my story in terms of my acting and how I got to where I am now is, I was, I was born in New York City to two former actors, and so uh, my father became a restaurateur, but he had been an actor at my age, and my stepmother, uh, I mean, my mother was an act, a singer, and uh, neither one did by the time I was born, but I kind of had it in my genes, and I knew that I was going to be, uh, I was born to act, um, but my parents were also divorced, and I, uh, I did not have a, you know, a really secure childhood. I definitely, my, my mother was a single mother of three. She was sick. So, you know, having the acting gene and the insecurity is great for like <laughs> becoming yeah. a, a, an actress. It's not so great for a healthy human being. So uh, I was very insecure, uh, but also, you know, a talented natural actress. My dad was kind of my first teacher. I got my first acting, professional acting role at 15 years old. I was discovered by uh, a famous French director by the name of Louis Mal. So one day I was in a high school play and the next day I was doing a movie with Sean Penn. So that was pretty wild. Um, born in New York, I was flew out to Los Angeles. I filmed for six weeks and all of a sudden I was a professional actress, which looked great on paper. So how old were you then? How old were you at the, 15, you were 15. I yeah. So I gotta ask you this, I didn't mean to jump into your story, but I'm, I'm intrigued by this. How does life really change for you emotionally, getting discovered at 15? Is it excitement? Is it unbelievable? Or is it, oh, wow, this is happening? How do, Because I, I could see this going two ways, super exciting or super scary. 
Both. Which was of it? So it was both for you. <laughs> it was both. I mean, it was both like, I can't believe this is happening to me. And also, um, I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm too fat. I'm not there. I, I don't have a lot of, you know, professional. They're going to find me out about me. I mean, it, it, you know, it was both. It was, it was like too much information, too much, you know, too fast. So um, it played with my mind. You know, I, I, I thought I was the cat's meow. And I also was always worried that, you know, they were going to discover that they made a mistake. So it was, it was that situation. And then that carried forth. I ended up on All My Children six months later, uh, which I had watched that soap opera for a year, a year. So I was like blown away that I was going to the soap opera that I watched. And I was going to be on it. So that was you another- You do favor Susan Lucci a little bit. I'm, I've got to tell oh, well, you, thank you do you. favor her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was a, you know, she was an idol to me at the time. So I, I was 16. I finished school early and I started on All My Children. So that was like another- but, you know, again, so much uh, fame and fortune too early and too much insecurity. So I kind of went up, you know, I was nominated for an Emmy, but because that's because I cried really well. But I also cried because I was really kind of messed up in real life and very insecure. And then I crashed and burned and I, I lost my job after uh, three years. I had just signed on for two more years. And every, four, every 13 weeks on a soap opera, they can let you go because of the storylines. And I lost my job and I hadn't saved my money. And I was like, I thought, Ooh, my, my, you know, I, I'm, I'm messed up, but I'm still making it. And then boom, I had like my little hum humility come up and let's learn a little bit. Like it doesn't all go straight up. And I had to kind of start all over again. So take me through that, Tasia, because you're, you're on a soap opera. Yeah. You have the lot. You have your. You have life by the tail, so to speak. Yeah. What's that com? What was that conversation like? Did they bring you in and say, "Hey, we're going in a different direction"? Was it the harsh reality of of show business? When when you're sitting there and and you're sitting with with the director or whoever it is, it's making that decision. What's that moment like for you? As they're saying you're no longer on the show painful i remember uh, i you know i i i was supposed to have a minimum to you know the soap opera the, the soap opera storylines go up and down so sometimes you're working a lot sometimes you're not and i had i wasn't working a lot for like several weeks and my as my my business manager at the time was like you're not working very much i was like oh you know it's nothing it's just a storyline i'm sure they have something cooking for me because they had just re-signed me for two years and i had asked for one year and then, yeah, they, the, the harsh reality was they, they called me up and they, they said, hey, we need to speak to you. And I was like, well, yeah, what's my new storyline? And they're like, yeah, your character is kind of stalled out and we're going to have to let you go. I really believe that was partially because, again, I was being unprofessional. I was not put in, pulling my act together. I had a lot of insecurities that were coming through. So it was kind of a, a comeuppance of, you know, they, they, they said it was the storyline, but inside I was like, you know, I, I did this to myself kind of, I, I over, I, you know, I got, my head got too big. So that was a, a great, uh, I remember the moment and I was shocked. And at the same time I was humbled and it was, um, it was a reality check of like, wow, I, I really, really do need to learn humility and really lead to remember that old saying, always be nice to the people on the way up. So they will be nice to you on the way down. So at the ripe old age of 19, I got to learn that lesson. And um, then I moved out to Los Angeles and I had to waitress and I had to uh, basically go from, you know, hundreds of dollars a day to $10 an hour and, and, and fight my way back up doing um, different acting and, and then eventually finding voiceovers. And uh, that was one of those incredible liberation moments. My mom was the one who encouraged me to be an actress. And then she encouraged me to do voiceover. And I resisted at first. I didn't even know what it was. But once I started voiceover acting, all the stuff that made me feel so insecure that you're not enough, you're, too, you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're not blonde enough, you're great at what you do, you're a great actor, but you're never enough. That disappeared and mm -hmm. all of a sudden all my talent and my passion and my ability to move touch and impact was the focal point and i i was liberated from the confines of my my not being enough and over the course of six years 
I started doing more and more voiceover and less and less acting. And one day my therapist said to me, you know, your mental health is going up in proportion to the amount of voiceovers you're doing. And I was like, you know, you're right. (laughs) And that was it. I decided to leave acting on camera and devote myself to voiceovers. And that's 25 years ago. And here I am. Were you surprised, Tasia, that that you took to it so well because most people that are in front of the camera yeah as you were mm-hmm. want to stay in front of the camera mm-hmm. because it's where they feel like they're most at home they're most mm-hmm. they're more natural there mm-hmm. but it really sounds like to me as you're telling your your story that you really had an awakening mm-hmm internally where you said you know what or as we would call it here a v8 moment you know you hit yourself on the head (laughs) you have a v8 moment where you really say to yourself i'm still acting right instead of a camera though and a red light i have a microphone and i get to control the action i get to say action when i'm ready i get to say cut when i'm ready and not only are you the actor, but you're the director, you're the creator, you're the, the writer. Was it difficult when you first started doing voiceover to really com- compartmentalize that? Or did you feel like it truly was liberating for you? Well, you know, for me, I was only the vo- the actor because there are commercials and directors. I mean, it just went from not having to be on a set for 12 hours a day for a commercial to be to one hour being directed over the phone, over these wires or in the studio by the director and being the voiceover announcer for that commercial. So I, instead of the on-camera actress who had to be on the set and do all the makeup and fit in the clothes and, you know, always be dieting, I was now the liberated voiceover artist who was just doing the, the storytelling. So I loved it. And yeah, I started doing more and more versions of storytelling as an actor, as a promo artist. I was the voice of SoapNet. So which SoapNet was a, was a channel devoted to soap. How ironic. How ironic. Did you ever get a voice? Did you ever get to voice over anything that you acted in? On... Uh, well, well, no, but I mean, I, all my children was on the show. I was all yeah, of it. That's what, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got to be the, well, and when I heard that there was going to be a, a, a channel called SoapNet, and, and I was like, I'm a voiceover artist, and I was on a soap, I should be the voice of that channel. Yeah. You know, the universe moved in that direction, and the right serendipity happened that I got to be the voice of that for 10 years. So it was wonderful that I got to be connected, but not, and all of a sudden, I got to play thousands of roles, where it used to be, you know, one role that you just quite fit in all of a sudden I was the mothers and I was the friends because as a voiceover artist there was there was so much liberation then I was doing animated series and I was doing video games and commercials and narrations and promos and it was so fun and also I like I said I was starting to get happier and less um and less self-sabotaging because I was never enough never enough and, and, then, and then I also wanted to get married and have a normal life and have kids. And so I met my husband and he wasn't in the business. And I thought, he's not going to be around if I tell him I'm going on, um, to, you know, on a movie set with Brad Pitt, but it's totally professional and I'll be back in six weeks. So I would come home to crickets, right? So yeah. <laughs> I made a decision, a life decision that my happiness, it took a little, it was again, it was like a nice overlap of six years. And then I, I got 12 weeks on the bold and the beautiful, another soap opera. And I thought, well, maybe I could do voiceovers and be on a soap opera. And I, I said like one line with one new word for 12 weeks, go get your baby, get on that train and get your baby. Remember, cause that's what soap operas are so much about exposition. So I was like, what an elegant way to end my on-camera career. I basically started on a soap. It's 14 years later, I'm gonna end on a soap. And then I said, I'm only gonna do voiceovers. I called my agent and that was again, like a great life decision. I have three beautiful children. I have the same husband. I get to teach what I'm passionate about. I'm still acting. I'm just acting without my physical being and I'm delighted and and, and happier than ever. So it was one of those pivotal life decisions, right place, right time, right moment. I made that commitment and the universe supported it. And then I had thought, oh, I lost the chance for an Emmy. I lost the chance for the Academy. Oh, well. And then I donated my voice to this beautiful public uh, PSA campaign for the Wildlife Animal Sanctuary that saves exotic animals for two years. And they uh, 
they've submitted for an Emmy and I won an Emmy. So God is kind. Yes. <laughs> he was like, you know, kid, you made the right choice. And 20 years later, here's your Emmy. So it was like, what a, what a sweet way. And it was from giving my voice. I, I had totally yes. donated. So there's, there's a, like that wonderful, joyous story that I can share. Well, and Tasha, here's the thing too. The, the way people use their voice is changing as well too, because, you know, I, I can imagine again, when I do radio, you go into a studio and it's, it's, um, you have foam padding on the walls and you put headphones on and talking. Now you and I are doing a podcast and I've got in-ear monitors in and a microphone through a computer and it's, it's different. And, and when I do live radio again this week, I'll have a, a portable board. I'll sit right here where I'm yeah. doing, where I'm doing, yeah, where I'm doing this podcast and do that as well too. The change had to be, you know, the change for you going into a studio and now the technology, you're in your studio right now. You know, oh, we're yeah, talking yeah. through the, through the same microphone that you do your voiceover yes. acting on. So it's beautiful. I've got to ask you this. I want to pivot just for a moment. Take me through the biggest obstacle that you overcame. And what was the greatest lesson that you learned from it? The greatest obstacle that I had was feeling unworthy of being loved or just being me. And I worked on that inner, that inner monologue, uh, that inner dialogue through so many forms, therapy, uh, motivation, uh, mentors, to rewire my brain to love myself and to then teach this art, what I call uh, the language of self-love to others. It became my greatest gift that I could learn to love myself as I am and use my voice to affirm myself out loud. Brian Tracy was one of my first teachers, affirmations and the, the act of affirming oneself and, and, and what we say and what our thoughts are becomes our future. So I learned the term, whatever you say after I am or I have consistently and con with conviction as the voice, you know, again, using your voice tells your future. So what future do you want to, to have? And I used that to, to change my life, to change how I felt about myself, to love myself. And that has impacted me every day to this moment. I'm still working on loving myself and affirming myself daily. And now I'm, I'm blessed enough to uh, co-founded an affirmation meditation app called Haven, Guided Affirmations. And it, it is a self-love affirmation meditation tape that I, I've created. It's completely free. So part of my joy to give great voice is to teach people that it's not only, it's not cocky to love yourself. It's not arrogant to love yourself. It is completely necessary to have the bandwidth to truly love others and have it. So I teach this self-love language uh, of self-love. And I, this app is a, a tool that you can use 10 minutes a day uh, to just give yourself that kind of love. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I've got to ask you this. And it's the, it's the final the question. Last question. Yes. yes. We've been chatting a while. But yes. It's the last question that I, that I ask every podcast that I do. Good. Leave the folks with your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Oh, your voice matters. You matter. You are beautiful and authentic and worthy, and everybody has a message that they should be sharing with the world and that it matters. And you're the opposite of depression, someone once said to me, is purpose. It's not happiness, it's purpose. So I want to honor everybody that they have purpose and they matter and their voices matter. And I hope that they will use it to move, touch, and impact people with. I could let you talk to me for an hour. <laughs> we did. Which we have, which we have. <laughs> I could let you talk to me for another hour because you, your, your, your voice is brilliant. It is really, it's really brilliant. Well, and, 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 well, I, and I'm intimidated. I, I'm kind of intimidated sitting here talking because it's like you have this incredible voice. It's, it's, it's so good. And um, as, 
as they would as they would probably say where you're from in New York, it's like butter. It's like butter. It's like butter. <laughs> well, you know, you have a beautiful, enthusiastic. Again, your intention is pure. You, you're you're the name that you decided to become an an encourager. I mean, this is your passion and your purpose is so clear. So I I want you to honor your voice and. Um, you know, people can find me if they want. Like I said, yes, please tell them how they can. I'm almost. I see. I was so. I was so lost in in your great voice <laughs> and, and thinking it was like butter. You know that I. I just forgot. You know, forgive me. I was just. No worries. I was just captivated in the moment. Yeah, please. We, we, we have everybody. to like wrap it up at some point. You know, they always say leave them wanting more. So I want to make sure that people aren't like you know they they. they I want them to still want more, but. You know, either way, people can find me on LinkedIn, and I'm actually doing my first pilot 30-day uh, Give Great Voice Challenge program. That's going to be this really fun micro learning gamified. So I'm I'm launching this for the first time November 2nd, and if anyone wants to join, they can. Uh, I'm going to be providing links on LinkedIn. Uh, but it's going to be a, sh a fun way to learn this art of confident verbal communication. So that's another thing they can do. They can find it out, um, and I'll and I'll be sharing. But November second, otherwise Instagram. I'm on Instagram or uh, atasiavalenza.com or Give Great Voice. There's a million ways to find me. I'm too old to be on Instagram. My son is on Instagram, <laughs> and it's like not that. too old. But and I, I, I think I, I love it, but I do love LinkedIn even more. I, I'm I'm kind of crazy for yes. the community. Yes, I think if it's a platform for my my twenty year old, he'll probably go, "Oh, geez, Dad, why are you here? You know, well, can you I not on it? Facebook?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Instagram for older people, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's owned. You know, they're smart. They own both. So. Well, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Tasia Valencia, this has been so incredible. I I, I have, have loved every minute of it. And again, go to LinkedIn, find her, T-A-S-I-A. It's her first name, Tasia. Her yeah, last name, Valenza. Tasia, like Fantasia, yeah. Uh, and then Valenza, V-A-L-E-N-Z-A. Very easy to find. Probably only the probably the only Tasia, at least in my network, that I know. So go find her on LinkedIn. Go find her on Instagram. Give great voice. Um you may want her to do some voiceover work for you. I would highly recommend you do that or uh, some other way that you can connect with her. Maybe you're trying to start a podcast yourself and you want some I tips. Actually, I coach podcasters to give great yes. voice. I coach salespeople to give great voice. Authors that want to either read their books or uh, just, you know, be able to go on Instagram again and share their passion, but to move those words off the page. I love I love teaching people to rock their roles. So there's many places uh, that people can get that encouragement and that that support, and I'm here for them. I just wanted to keep you talking. I just wanted to listen <laughs> to you talk some more. <laughs> Valenza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taser Valenza, thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day of his world. And until next time, remember everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.